Welcome, Queen's Church family, to another week of our series entitled Fearless, where we're looking at the book of Daniel and seeing how God has equipped us to live fearlessly in our city. I hope that you're watching this on time, that you got some good sleep last night with that extra hour. Um, and if you're with us right here live in the premiere, go ahead and drop something in the chat to let us know you're watching. Thank you so much to the worship team and to Hannah Jane and Stephanie for um, hosting today. Um, I know that as we continue out through this online worship, which is uh, becoming very normal for us, let us not forget how important it is that we participate in worship with one another. Um, the best way we can do that is right there on the chat. Um, so let's be talking it up throughout the sermon today. If God speaks to you about something, just put it in there because he's probably speaking to someone else as well. Today, as we jump into Daniel chapter 8, go ahead and move in your Bibles there, and we're going to be talking about how we can be fearless because it is God who writes our future. We're fearless because God writes our future. I'm going to summarize the vision that Daniel has in chapter 8, and if you want to read it for yourself, feel free to do so um, sometime throughout the week. But Daniel is again um, interrupted in his sleep with a vision from God. And this vision does similar to last week. It tells about something that's happening at that moment, but it also has some apocalyptic type leanings and it speaks into our daily lives as well. So we're going to see something very different this time than we have the rest of the sermon series. Today, we're going to talk about two of the important distinguishing attributes of God's character. Two things that set God apart from his creation mankind, and everything else that he created. Um, those two things are his omnipotence and his omniscience. His omnipotence and omniscience. Omnipotence is God's all-powerful nature. It means that he is powerful over everything that he has created, over all of the universe and over your and my life. But his omniscience means that he is all knowing. This was kind of difficult for us to understand. I feel like we get that God is all powerful, but still sometimes we try to hide things from God as if he doesn't know them already. So his all knowingness, his omniscience is something we're going to dive in today as well. So here's this vision, right? Daniel walks up to a canal in the vision and he sees across the canal, a ram, a mighty ram with two horns, one of which is longer than the other. This ram was dominating over everything around it. Um, the Bible says that it went everything from the west to the north and the south. Nothing could stand against this ram. And he had his will made known on everything. And this ram was magnifying himself. As Daniel's watching, though, a goat approaches. And a goat walks up to the ram and attacks it. And he actually conquers the ram. And this goat has a large horn, and it breaks as soon as he takes power. And then four conspicuous horns rise up out of its place, and a small one grows to overcome all of the territories in the east and the south. This goat rises to the heavens, and it tramples the sacrifice of the heavenlies. And then this dream, as many dreams that we've seen in the book of Daniel, is interpreted, this time uh, by the Son of Man and by an angel. The ram is said to be the kingdom of Persia, and media, and the goat is Greece. You see, the interpretation says that there will be a dominant king, one who rises to power, whose shrewdness will overwhelm all others, and this king will magnify himself. 
So we're going to read some of these verses in just a minute, but that's a synopsis of what happens. And I want to look at what we see here, what we can directly learn from God about this vision, and what we can learn about how we live fearlessly today because of it as well. So let's read verses um, 4, 20, and 25 really quickly. So verse 4 says this, Daniel says, I saw the ram charging westward and northward and southward, and no beast could stand before him, and there was no one who could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased, and he became great. Then in verse 20, we read, as for the ram that you saw with the two horns, these are the kings of Media and Persia. Continuing in verse 25, he says, by his own cunning, he, he shall make deceit prosper under his hand. He shall make deceit prosper under his hand. And in his own mind, he shall become great. Anyone ever become great in their own mind before? (laughs) I know I have. (laughs) Without warning, though, this ram shall destroy many, and he shall even rise up against the prince of all princes. And then he shall be broken, but by no human hand church, the first thing we learn about God from this passage, from this vision, is that God is all-powerful. Somebody throw some muscle emojis down there in the chat to remind us all that God is all-powerful. You see, the kingdoms of the world, this is a theme throughout Daniel, we've learned, receive their agency to execute power from God. In other words, anything that has power on this earth has received its power from God. God, because God is all-powerful. And if God is all-powerful to give every kingdom or every nation its power, we can remember and we should remember that everything that is given power by God can be taken away by him. So when God gives power to a kingdom or to a nation or even to you, which we'll learn here later on in this uh, verse when we start applying it to our lives, anything that God gives, he can take away at any time. You might say, don't believe it? Ask Daniel. He sees this ram. It's going westward, northward, southward, and it's conquering everything. No one can stand against this ram, this nation, the nations of Persia and Media. But when when the nation rises up against the prince of princes, in other words, against God himself, against the one, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. When the, when the ram decides to step to God, we learned about that a few weeks ago, remember that? We're fearless, but we don't step to God. <laughs> this ram had not learned that yet. He stepped to God, and God put him in his place. He was, he was broken by no human hand. You see, these great powers are but tiny animals that God created himself. I mean, even in the illustration, right, we think of the, the, the picture of a ram, And how if we came up to a ram in the wild, we would not conquer it. We would not try to go over to it unless we had a weapon, right? Because a ram is a powerful creature. It's much stronger than us. It's bigger than us. It's faster than us. And it can overtake us and dominate us. But God illustrates this giant, these giant conquering kingdoms as an animal that he has full and complete control and domination over. These great powers are but tiny animals that were created by God himself, and he is seen here as vanquishing these great earthly powers. With, he is not seen here by vanquishing these great earthly powers with armies, or he doesn't have some other great powerful symbol that comes up and vanquishes them. No, he is, they are destroyed without hands. You see, when God is stood up against, righteousness and justice will always prevail. 
God will always bring about his will. And, and yes, he does give power to nations and to kingdoms, and he gives very specific instructions as to what they are to do with that power and how you and I are to live under that power. However, when the powers begin to take things into their own hands and begin to inflict unrighteousness and injustice on the earth, God will always come through with righteousness and justice. You see, Amos chapter 5, verse 24 says this, But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. You may recognize that verse because it's one that was often quoted in the civil rights movement in the late 19, in the, in the 1960s here in our very country. Martin Luther King Jr. loved to speak this verse of prophecy for the, for the Old Testament um, people of Israel and, and make it a proclamation over our country. Let justice, it's a prayer, roll down like waters. Why was that the cry of the people? Because church, when injustice is reigning on the earth, our prayer as God's people is that he would let justice flow down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Let me tell you something about waters and streams. Waters and streams do not come up on their own. They are flowing from a source. The source of justice and the source of righteousness is always Almighty God. His power is great, and his justice and his righteousness flow down from him. Larry cannot have justice and righteousness flow from him in his flesh, right? It's not possible for me to have that. In fact, usually when there's conflict around me, if I act out of my flesh, instead of justice and righteousness flowing, Larry's form of justice and Larry's form of righteousness flow, which usually serve to lift up and support who most? Me. Right? I mean, when I want justice and righteousness to come out of my flesh, it's for me. But see, what God does in his power is he he is the source of justice and righteousness. And when we cry out, justice and righteousness flow out from him like a stream. God is all powerful. And what he teaches in this vision about himself right here is that when kingdoms of the world take things into their own hands and begin to magnify themselves and in inflicting unrighteousness and injustice, he will destroy them. He will bring about justice. Our cry is the same cry as Amos, though. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. God, may you have justice in our land. Would, would righteousness flow among our people? And I want to challenge us as the church, okay? This is not a challenge if you're watching this and you're not a follower of Jesus. This is not a challenge for you. We got other things for you in, at the end. But right now, this is for the church. The church of God in America needs to take Amos's words to heart right now. Because you see, we are trying, a lot, of, a lot of people in the church are trying to execute righteousness and justice on our own, out of our own source, or through the source of our particular political party, or through the source of our apathy toward it. Well, it, there's just nothing we can do about it at this point. And I don't know where you find yourself in that camp, whether it's that you're trying to do it on your own, you're trying to do it through a particular political party, or you're trying to do it um, from, from your own source. But the, the point is, God's all-powerful righteousness and justice come when God's people lift up their voice and pray. And so the challenge for the church in this moment 
here in the United States of America or here in our city where we can look very clearly and see unrighteousness and injustice happening in our streets and in our neighbors and even in our own homes, our response should be to lift up our cry to the Lord God Almighty. We have access to the throne room of the Almighty God, and he has the power. He is the source to let that justice and righteousness flow. And what he desires from us is to be the kind of people who will not focus on earthly means in order to bring about this righteousness and justice, but look to him, look to the source. Enough about that. God is all-powerful. You get it, okay? Now, let's read verses 21 through 26, and we'll talk about God's all-knowing nature and see how these two work together in this passage. God is all-powerful, but also he is all-knowing. Look at verse 21. Here comes this goat. This is the king of Greece. We're in the interpretation at this point. And the great horn between the king of Greece's eyes is the first king. As for the horn that was broken in the place of which four others arose, four kingdoms shall arise from his nation, but not with his power. And the latter end of the kingdom, when transgressors have reached their limits, a king of bold face, one who understands riddles shall arise. His power shall be great, but not by his own power, and he shall cause fearful destruction and shall succeed in what he does and destroy the mighty men and people who are under his saints, people who are the saints. By this king's cunning, he shall make deceit prosper under his hand. You heard that earlier. And in his own mind, he shall become great. Without warning, he shall destroy many. And even he shall rise up against the prince of princes and shall be broken by no human hand. The vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true. Okay, this vision is true, confirmation of that, but seal up the vision, for it refers to many days from now. Church, sometimes we just need to understand very clearly that God knows everything. God is all-knowing. Listen to what God knew, okay? Remember your uh, world history textbooks, whatever grade you took that in. For me, it was 10th grade. Go back to your world history and listen to this. You see, God, right here, is telling of Alexander the Great. Do you remember Alexander the Great? He rose up hundreds of years after this prophecy was written, a great king out of the king out of the kingdom of Greece. In fact, the year this was written, scroll back to uh, Daniel chapter 8, verse 1, in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar right? You might skip over things like that in your Bible when you're reading them, but don't always skip over them because that has importance. Daniel is setting this vision in the context of historical time. He's making a note of when it was. That was 551 BC. Now, in 331 BC, some 220 years later, Alexander the Great defeated the kingdoms of Media and Persia. The goat rose up against the ram. And God tells this vision specifically and says, but hey, Daniel, don't get confused. What, what I'm talking about is not going to happen right now. It's going to be a time from now. In fact, 220 years. God is telling specifics about a dream in a dream to Daniel about things that will happen in the historical world some 220 years later. God is showing that Daniel that he knows everything that's happening and he knows everything that will happen. Now, imagine for a moment 
The comfort it must be for a people trapped in exile, captive from their homeland, to be resting secure in the knowledge that God knows the future. A people in exile can feel deserted, right? Especially people who have been called and promised to receive from God the inheritance of the kingdom. The people of Israel, the ones who are captive here, that Daniel is one of their leaders, they have been promised, remember all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant, when God promised Abraham that their, their nation would outnumber the stars. And then when God promised Noah that they would dwell in the promised land, These promises that God made are true, but right now in the time of exile, when they're not living in that promise, it does not feel true. So think with me for just a moment about how that must comfort God's people. For Daniel to see this vision and God to remind him, Daniel, I know everything that's going to happen. I know you can't see it right now, Daniel, but I am in control. I am writing this future. Church, in all of our goings about, in the midst of our worries and our victories, let us be reminded of this simple and foundational truth about the character of the God you worship, and that is that he is all-knowing. God knows all What does this mean for us, though? You see, God's power is a truth that vanquishes your fears of the things of this earth. God's power, his omnipotence, the fact that he is all-powerful over everything, should vanquish our fears When we fear something on earth, his power should allow us to be freed from that fear because a fear is an oppressor. Remember, we've talked about that in the the preceding weeks, how fear can oppress us into making decisions outside of the will of God. So even when the world seems to have power over you, God's power is greater. He will bring about his good purposes. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not right now. The fact is that it is happening. He is bringing about his good purposes in your life, just as he does on the world stage. Now, you might say, I'm looking at the world stage right now. It does not look like God is active at all, much less bringing about good purposes. I point you back to God's all-knowing nature. You see, the truth is, when we look at the world and we can't see God moving, oftentimes it's because we are looking with our knowledge of the situation. However, God has a different knowledge of the situation. Amen? God's knowledge of the situation is greater than ours. It is, in fact, higher than ours, so he can see. Uh, We did this um, months ago, and I don't have a pencil in front of me since I wasn't planning on doing this, but we talked about how God views the timeline, right? I held a pencil in my hand, and I said, look, this is a timeline. We live somewhere on this timeline. We can look back across the timeline, and we can look down on the timeline. Current, what, what the present world is doing. However, that's not how God views time, church. God is all-knowing. He holds the timeline in his hand by his power and by his omniscience. He can look back, front, on, under, over, and around the timeline. And because of God's all-knowing nature and being able to see time and our activity like that, We can then trust when we don't think what God is doing is right 
that what he's doing is good. You know, I might not think it's right, but I can trust that it's good. And we trust in the goodness of God because of how he has revealed himself to us through scripture, through his, the son, Jesus Christ, through creation, right? We have these common good things we can all recognize in creation. And ultimately, through the way that he has revealed himself by the truth of his word. You see, that's the thing with God's purposes. We don't discover and live in God's purpose for our life by controlling what's happening around us. We don't live in God's will by controlling what's happening around us. Some of us today just need to let go of control. Uh, what did we call it? A few weeks ago, we called it passing the keys. You remember that? You don't live in God's will by holding on to the keys to your own life and trying to drive your own car. We, 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 we live in the will and the purpose of God by passing the keys to him. And some of us, when thinking about God's power, need to understand that we are trying to control what's happening in our hearts instead of relinquishing control to God by surrendering to his power and his plan. Think about Daniel right here. Daniel is high up in the court at this point. He has interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. He's interpreted Belshazzar's dreams by now. And what we're seeing is that Daniel is continually anxious and stressed out by what's happening around him. I didn't read for you verse 27. This is the perfect time to point it out now. The last verse of this ends uh, after, the, after the vision. Daniel says this, I was overcome and I laid sick for some days in my bed. Then I rose and went about the king's business, but I was still appalled by the vision, and I did not understand it. Last week, we saw that, you know, God can use you in the midst of your depression. Some of you are still riding that wave, and I understand that. So, you, God can use you in the midst of your anxiety. If you're hearing that for the first time and you missed it, go back and click, click over to last week's sermon and watch that. Because a lot of us are, are just crippled when we're in the midst of stress, anxiety, depression, loneliness, doubt. Uh, we feel like we're lost, and, and so, so we're just useless. But God wants to use you in that midst. We learned that through Daniel last week when he was used in great ways in the midst of his anxiety. But this is, this is something else. This is something totally different. This is Daniel being overcome so much so that he laid sick in his bed for days, but then... He rose and went about the king's business. Why and how? He didn't have a doctor. He could go get medicine to try to help his mental stability like we do. Praise God that we have that, right? He didn't have that. How did he get up and go about his regular business? Church, Daniel got up and went about his regular business because of the revelation he had just had in that vision. Because he saw that ultimately... Whatever was going around him, going on around him, was not in his control, but God is all powerful over it, and he has the power to overcome it. And basically, his walking out of his bed and into his um, continual service to the king was his physical posture of trusting the will and the power of God over against his, his own. And that's a word that we need to hear today, that in the midst of things that we cannot control what God is calling us to is to step out of us wanting to control it and into the plan that he has for us by continuing to live in the will of God. So we surrender to his power and his plan. We don't try to control it. That's how his powerful nature 
changes the way we live today. But what about his all-knowing nature? You see, God's all-knowing nature reminds us. It's a reminder that when we can't see the good, we can trust he is in control. When you can't see the good, you can still trust that God is in control. And church, these things take place over the course of decades and centuries. But sometimes we can get so focused on the trials and the difficulties that we are going on in the days and the months that we become lost in our confusion and our alarm. I'll say that in a different way. God's plan and his purposes for creation unfold over the course of years and centuries and decades. We, though, oftentimes get so focused on what's right in front of us that we fail to live surrendering to his plan. He is trying to make things happen over the long course of time, but when we don't see activity tomorrow, we think it's time to take things into our own control. And church, that is not the way to live as God has called us to live. When we enter into this relationship with God through our faith in Jesus Christ, he not only transforms us, but what do we say all the time here at Queen's Church? He gives us a mission. Jesus is our passion and love is our mission. Daniel's mission here was to serve the king. He, he was a part of the king's court and he was to go about the king's business. If he had gotten so focused on what was happening in his own mind and in the trials that he was facing as an exile, he would have been crippled and not been able to serve as he was called to serve and to love how he was called to love. Can you imagine during the decades that Daniel served as an exile in the king's court, how many people found out about the love of God that didn't know about it before? How many other people, we don't read about them, but can you imagine how many other people um, turned from worshiping Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar and Darius and these other kings that he served and began to worship the one true God Almighty? We may learn of them one day, right? But now we don't know, but we do know that what Daniel did was he lived as a faithful surrenderer to the plan of God. And his, God's all-knowing nature is what it, it allows us to do this. It gives us the freedom to focus on the things above, not on the things of this world. We are allowed to then look up right? It's like this, it's almost like this sermon over this vision is a recap over everything we've talked about in Daniel so far, because we talked about not getting so focused on the things down in front of us, but for us to look up. That was two weeks ago, I think, maybe three. But the, the, the fact is, God's revealing himself as the one who is enough to let us do all these things we've been talking about doing, like passing the keys, like looking up, like changing our perspective. So ultimately, God has revealed his power and his knowledge to us in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Remember, the Old Testament was written for a very specific purpose, the main one of which is to point us to Jesus. And God's, God's omnipotence, his all-powerfulness, points us and is revealed to us in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, who humbled himself, taking on the form of a man, to destroy sin and death once and for all. These characters throughout the book of Daniel are seen speaking loudly, boasting in arrogance, stepping toward the east and to the west, employing their will on others unjust, unjustly. Their strength, the, the, the kings of the earth's strength, 
is found in their ability to enforce their own will and ideas onto the people who live in their kingdom and the kingdoms they conquer, right? Their strength is found in their ability to enforce their will on others. But ultimately, all of the kings of the world are humbled, just like in this vision. Even if one succeeds in securing many nations and outliving all of their enemies, eventually they will die. They will succumb to death, and the kingdom they built is as susceptible to destruction as they are. Alexander the Great learned this as well as anyone else has. Their destruction and their end is secure. However, God's kingdom is not built by a proud, arrogant, haughty king. No, no, no. God's kingdom is secured by a humble servant king. And when you and I can understand that the all-powerful, all-knowing God decided to reveal himself to mankind in a humble and servant king named Jesus, we can begin to grasp how it is that we can trust this king, this God, enough to let his will for our life be our desire. You see, you may have been arguing with me in your head this whole sermon, saying, yeah, I hear what you're saying. We need to look at God's perspective. He has a good in store for us, and he has a plan for us, and, and he's given us a mission. I hear all that. However, how can I know I can trust him? How do I know that God is not going to do me dirty like everybody else I've ever trusted in my life has? All the men I've ever trusted, all the parents I've ever trusted, all the women I've ever trusted, all of the jobs I've ever thought were going to secure my future. How do I know that he's not going to leave me or fail me just like all of them did? Church, we know that in the person of Jesus. Because when God decided to come to the earth and make himself known to us, he did so not as one inflicting his will upon us uh, by a tyrannical nature of a kingdom. However, he came to us in the form of a baby in a manger born of a virgin in the lowliest of all the tribes in Israel, in the tiniest of all the towns in Israel. And when he came, he didn't come and announce his own kingdom and say, everyone drop everything and follow me. No, he was announced by his cousin, who many would have said was a crazy person, announcing the baptism of water in the Jordan River who ate locusts. John the Baptist. See, he didn't even proclaim his own kingdom in pride. It was proclaimed in humility, and then it was delivered out in humility. And the very fact that the almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing king came down to us in his humility, revealing himself to us and teaching us the way to life and showing that the way to life is through him is the way that we can have faith and trust in his plan for our life. God's kingdom is not built by a proud, arrogant, haughty king. It's established and secured by a humble and servant one. So we need to ask ourselves today, church, who am I submitting to? Whose story for my future am I believing? 
Am I sitting down and making my five-year plan, 10-year plan, two-month plan in 2020? Who knows what kind, how far out you're trying to think right now. Am I writing it down and then believing it for myself? You'll even catch this little hint in some Christian circles, right? You'll even, you'll even see that you write your story and you believe it and you go after it and you capture it. That's a false narrative that's inside of our nation and even seeps into the church sometimes. That's not how your story works. God writes and secures your story and he invites you to come live in that future with him. He says, trust in me, I have a plan for you. And when you trust in my plan for you, I will show you the way to life. I will show you to Jesus. I will fill you with, with my spirit who will give you all the comfort you need in your anxious times, who will give you all the power you need in your weak times, and who will establish you in, as a son and as a daughter in my kingdom for all eternity. Church, we can be fearless because it is God who writes our future, but we have to ask ourselves, who am I submitting to today? Only God can judge me. That's what we say, right? But what we mean is, only I can judge me. Usually, have you heard that? Have you noticed that? Usually when we say only God can judge me, what they mean is, only I care about what I say about. But see, only God can judge us is true. And he has judged us. And he has found us left wanting. However, he has sent us his son in order to fill what was empty in us, in order to forgive our sins and to free us to live in this new plan, this new purpose that he has for us. This one that is for his glory, is for our good, and is for the good of others. So I want to invite you now as a next step. Maybe, maybe um, if, if you're submitting to yourself and not to God, you need to turn from that today, follower of Jesus. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've never taken that step of faith and trusted in him for salvation. I want to invite you to do that today. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is rest in the person of Jesus Christ. He loved, God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you so that you could find life. And so if you are believing in your heart on him for salvation... I invite you to let us know that in the chat. I, I'm trusting Jesus right now, and I'm ready to start my new life with him. We would love to celebrate that with you, and we'd also love to show you from Scripture how you can be discipled and become a follower of him. Uh, one of the great first steps you can have in discipleship is, is also a, a next step for us today, and that's to be baptized into the family of God. And if you have never been baptized by immersion all the way under the water into the family of God as a, as a believer in Jesus, I want to invite you to do that with us on November 14th, Saturday, November 14th. November 14th, we are having um, baptisms, and you are invited to participate in that. Uh, just like you heard in the online lobby, all you need to do is text the word with no spaces, QC baptism to 94000. And you can be you can follow the link there and sign up to have a pastor come and talk to you about how you can follow the Lord in baptism. Church, as we close today, I want to be a reminder to you, right? From God's word, that God is all powerful. God is all knowing. And these aren't just some quips or some nice things to know about Almighty God, but in fact, he has revealed those things to you and me in the person of Jesus. And he has become the all-powerful, all-knowing Savior that you and I need so that we can stop looking so closely at what's in front of us and we can look up and dwell with him in the heavenly realms 
and see that we are like Daniel, exiled to this earth with a mission to love one another and to love the outsider and to love our enemies and to show all people how they are called to new and abundant life in the person of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the way that you speak to us through your scripture. And even as I was planning and preparing for this sermon, um, how difficult it is sometimes to preach these visions, um, God, you reveal it so clearly that you are powerful and you are all-knowing. And I pray that as we um, wrestle with that this week in our lives, that you would give us humility to look at ourselves honestly, look at the way that we are interpreting what's going on around us honestly, and that we would submit our will to you ultimately. God, we pass the power to you and we pass the knowledge that we think we have to you because we know that you are all-powerful and you are all-knowing and that gives us safety and security because we are found in Jesus. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.